Welcome back to Anime Death Spiral, the only anime podcast that was much more successful in a pra- in a past life. Damn it! <laughs> All right, take two. <laughs> no, it's funny when you mess up. <laughs> oh no! You're so close. <laughs> I'm Nate. I'm Remy. And uh, I think today we're gonna get together with you, our best friend, the listener, and we're gonna maybe talk about some anime. Wow, talking about anime, and it's such a novel idea. Nobody else does it, we're the only ones. You know, I uh, I was playing the, the anime uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor last week, and... Uh, oh, I love that anime. That anime is pretty good, it's all right. And then uh, Disney went ahead and they did uh, even more Star Wars anime. Did you uh, did you catch that? I have heard about it. It's been in my periphery. Uh, I've not watched any of those Star Wars shorts that they've put out, uh, mostly because I don't like Star Wars anymore, I don't think. You don't like Star Wars anymore, like, at all? Yeah, no, it's all become too much, and I'm disassociating. Okay, well, I will say, like, Obviously, there hasn't been a lot of good Star Wars. And it's getting worse every day. I, I think that you know, if we had to really think about it, if we had to really be honest with ourselves, there are two and a half good Star Wars movies, tops. <laughs> well, I will say I, I was charmed by the, the first season of Mandalorian, at least before the last episode. I think everybody was. I was for sure. You know, that baby Yoda is so goddamn cute. I love that anime. Look. I would be lying if I said I had no affection for Baby Yoda. I think if you don't have an affection for Baby Yoda, there is something, like, pathologically wrong with you. That doesn't mean I'm not willing to, like, accept the fact that he was created in a fucking viral lab to, like, have that emotional effect on us. I'm willing yeah. to admit that. I'm but imagining, like, the uh, the Jurassic Park, like, uh, scientist lab scene at the beginning where they're talking about how they splice frog DNA and uh, James Wong picks up the tiny, you know, uh, Velociraptor egg as it's hatching, but Baby Yoda comes out. <laughs> like, we, we genetically engineered this to be the cutest possible thing that anybody could lay, eye on, lay eyes on. He's holding up a Baby Yoda. He's like, your scientists were so preoccupied <laughs> with whether they could. Yeah, and, you uh, know, let's mark this. In 30 years, uh, uh, it's going to be the Baby Yoda uh, outline instead of the Mickey silhouette. I mean, honestly, I would take it. Uh, but the thing is, uh, you know, I, that was fine. They, they, they got a little bit of goodwill out of me. But then, like, recently I saw a trailer for, like, the Muppet Baby Star Wars version shit. And it was like, man... Look, I, I know it was it's it's for kids and and young adults and all that stuff. I, I I know, but like the Muppet Baby Star Wars shit. What the fuck, man? So <laughs> you I know what? I've you, been pretty. You, that's not anything new to the franchise, though. That's where I know uh, they wanted to take it way back when. Nobody talks about uh, those Ewok movies that they made, and I watched those. They're great. I loved them. They suck. You loved them. You know they're campy. Yeah. Well, Star Wars should be campy. That's why I kind of feel like they're trying to buck the campiness, and it, I don't think they should. It, it, it does, I don't know if it works as a straight drama, which is why I've been resisting watching that Andor show, even though everybody constantly is talking, oh, it's actually really good. It's actually one of the good ones. It's like, well, I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I, the, the point being, like, I, you know, I've been pretty down on this stuff, but... The shining light for me was last year or the year before they put out that Star Wars Visions set of shorts, and it reminded me 
of uh, a sentiment I've held for a really long time that like uh, Netflix is incredibly rich. They have been bilking us for a long time now. They've got the money and I've constantly said if they truly cared about us, they would fund um, anime openers, new anime openers for every show. Sure. But for whatever reason, Disney basically did this. They went out and they paid a bunch of animation studios to do whatever the fuck they wanted with Star Wars. And it was some of the best Star Wars content. I hate to say content. Star Wars media that has ever been made. I mean, some of the stuff was truly, truly excellent. And it really... It should embarrass the fuck out of everyone making Star Wars stuff. Are they all Japanese studios or is it like a, a mix? So uh, is it anime? Well, <laughs> okay. So in volume one, we've got animation by Kamikaze Duga. Okay. Uh, we have Studio Colorido. Uh, all these right. are all Japanese. We've Trigger made one. Doubt um, it already sold. Great. Trigger. Yeah, I know. I know. There's, it's really good. Uh, Kinema Citrus did one. Production IG did one. Oh, yeah. Science Love those IG one. guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? I think Trigger may have done two of them. Geno Studio did one. Um, so in th- And then this second uh, season, which just dropped, they went a little bit more uh, wide with it. So there's, uh, there's one by uh, El Guiri, uh, which is a Spanish animation studio, which is really fun. Yeah, that is. One by Cartoon... Yeah. Saloon. Uh, there's one by Punk Robot. Uh, there's one by Ardman Animation, which is really funny. Okay. Uh, there's one by Studio Murr, which I made me a little bit upset about because they did that that recent Dota show, and oh. their short looks so much better than the Dota animation. I'm like, damn. I know they they took that money and they learned all they could, but like their short looks fucking great. Uh, there's one by Studio La Cachette. One by Eighty Eight Pictures. There's one by a collaboration between uh, Darshitajio and uh, Lucasfilm. And there's one by Triggerfish. All right. Stacked cast. So we've got a, a pretty much uh, all-star setup here of uh, great established and up-and-coming animation studios. And I just want to say, like, that these were all really good in their own way. I'm not as much of a fan as, like, some of the comedy stuff, but I, it still hit for me. They were great. But, like, there is one called Screechers Reach. This is one by uh, Paul Young and Cartoon Saloon. And it's episode two. And I genuinely think this 10, 15 minute long uh, Star Wars short is maybe the best Star Wars movie ever made. Full stop. Incredible. Well, I mean, that's uh, totally believable to me because, you know, up to a certain point in time, I really felt that the Gendy Tartakovsky uh, Clone Wars cartoon was the best Star Wars movie ever made. <laughs> That's that uh, half of a of two and a half good movies that I was talking about. Yes, yes. I, I think that cartoon is really good too. I, I think obviously this short has the the advantage over that cartoon of only having to fill ten to fifteen minutes. Well, well, I think what it what it demonstrates is that Star Wars as an IP is best left in the hands of creators who want to do like little things with it. Right. Well, I, that's. I mean, I I agree. I think that's definitely true. I, but I think it points to like something that I've always believed. Uh, you know, in a more broad way, in that things that become like Star Wars, these uh, franchises, these giant IPs, they 
will only survive and thrive uh, as as truly interesting and artistic projects if you just let people do whatever the fuck they want with them. Give well, them yeah, some that's money what I'm and saying. let them fuck off. You know, you have the the big establishing, you know, trilogy, right? Star Wars yes. was a, a massive hit when it came out in the 70s through the uh, early 80s. It, it was yeah. a phenomenon because no one had ever seen a successful, like, you know, multi-film franchise at that level. People had never seen a good movie before. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, no good movies until 1975 when Star Wars came out. Yep, yep. Oh, what a poor what a poor people we were before Star Wars movies. And at that point, you've told a complete story and all you really have left is a setting. And I don't think that it's viable to try and recreate success at that same level you know don't do don't do another trilogy we're seeing the fatigue right now with all these goddamn fucking stupid superhero movies people don't care about the the eighth set of movie trilogies that all interact with each other anymore that and you know there's still a pandemic and people don't want to go to movie theaters because they're plague houses well yeah <laughs> but star wars in particular when star wars is just a spirit of rebellion coupled to a fantasy world under attack and mixed together with like a mystical power of i don't know goodness or whatever you whatever you want to boil down the force to i think those are pungent enough ingredients that you can attach anything to them and it will more or less you know come out okay uh it's the forcing all this shit into this horrible like confinement where uh, Mandalorian has to Luke Skywalker has to appear and and in the final episode and and Andor has to all be all about the 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 secret espionage action that leads to the destruction of the Death Star or whatever or we have to have the horrible on solo movie where we learn where he I don't know hooked up with his fucking his his Wookiee companion we don't all of that sucks it all fucking sucks because it's all trying to force Star Wars into the smallest uh, narrowest possible containment and Star Wars wants to explode and expand into every other facet of uh, imagination it can be uh, and Disney the, this is the first time in all of this new Disney shit these visions one and two where I've seen them actually let that happen and it fucking kicks ass. It rules, actually. It's some anime-ass anime, Star Wars-ass anime, and it fucking rules. All right, well, you know, maybe I'll check it out, but we are dangerously close to ripping off a Patton Oswalt bit, so, and I'm sick of talking about Star Wars, so... Is that true? <laughs> okay, that's fine, that's fine. I watched other anime. I mean, that's not just Star Wars. Oh, you watched, I mean, you watched other anime? Yeah, yeah, I actually watched other anime. Um, oh, what else you got? I'll, I'll just go. I'll just go through a couple of things. Another thing I watched recently. Well, there are two things that are airing now, and I know we mentioned these at least in the uh, in the upcoming season, the spring season demo we did. Um, but Mashley, uh, Magic and Muscles has been running for a little while, um, and Danger in My Heart, Boku no Kokoro no Yabayatsu, I think, uh, has also been running as well. And, uh, you know, since our, one of our main themes is like uh, ridiculous rom-coms, I, I have been checking <laughs> oh, in. Oh, shit. With... Have I made that one of our main themes at this point? 
Yes, apparently that's your that's your shtick, and mine is hating on Isekai. I guess we've established that at this oh, point. Oh God, we have character traits now. Yeah, we do. Anyway, the the dangers in my heart has been has been kind of plugging along, and I've been watching the episodes, and I don't. Maybe at some point I'll talk a little bit deeper into it because I I really really love it, the the comic. And I think the anime has been doing a fantastic, fantastic job. I, I really, really like it. And I think it really stands out uh, in this pack of rom-coms. I've watched a couple of the other ones that are running right now. And like I talked last time, I watched, uh, I watched the uh, Mysterious Girlfriend X uh, adaptation that they did recently. And they just do not compare. I think Dangerous in My Heart is legitimately great. Uh, and like heartfelt, emotionally honest, little coming-of-age romance story. I think it's fantastic. That might be a little hard for most anime fans to relate to. <laughs> I know, it's difficult, but I think if you just watch it, like, you will get hooked. I, I promise you. It is very touching. Uh, Mashley, uh, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Dangerous is My Heart. How many, is that a complete work or is that ongoing? Oh, there's only like five episodes out right now. Oh, was it a manga, though? Yes, it is a continuing manga. It's okay. been running All for right. a while. All right. But the anime is really good. They've been doing a really good job. And like in episode four, um, they go to a manga publishing house and the main character gets very excited because they bring out a, a, a fresh Baki inked page uh-huh. uh, and he, he gets to look at it. And I relate to that quite a lot. <laughs> I, would, I would also be very excited as a grown ass man to see a, a, a real Baki inked page. Anyway, the, the other one that's going and we haven't really talked about is Ma- the Mashley anime has been running for a little while now. And uh, in the middle of this Harry Potter shit show that's been like uh, raging around us like a wildfire, uh, they, they decided to do the anime that is like a direct Harry Potter uh, satire, I suppose. <laughs> no, I think now is the perfect time. Yeah, except that like Harry is a jock and he proves that like magic is lame and actually like <laughs> fucking being ripped and like, yoked is cool, uh, which is very funny to me. <laughs> that is um, pretty good. I, That's a good yeah, bit. Yeah. The, the anime is doing an okay job. I, I think it's weird trying to, you know, he, like we've talked before, but humor is difficult to... Um, land not because of translation but because humor is so much of it is timing and animation is obviously very fiddly with timing right so I think the timing stuff creates problems that aren't present in a gag manga you know what I mean well you just put all the jokes on the two panels I guess you know uh, I'm not an animator (laughs) you tell me you tell me I I didn't go to fancy animator college (laughs) you animators in your ivory towers (laughs) (laughs) those those millionaire elite animators yeah yeah come down from your ivory towers as Ralph Bakshi looks up from a gutter (laughs) no he's still posting on Twitter so I know he has an internet connection (laughs) he's just bumming off the Starbucks (laughs) No, Ralph Bax, you can't use our bathroom. <laughs> we were not giving you the code again. We changed it. What 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 reminded me though is that I saw an announcement that they're doing a Mashley stage play, which I know they do a lot of these anime stage plays. You know, there obviously there's like 18 different One Piece stage plays. Oh, they're plays. huge right I, now. You know, yeah, the, uh... I just saw a, a new a new uh, Evangelion stage play that is a continuation of the anime which boggles my mind a continuation of the anime before the the movies i have no idea 
it might be a continuation of the movie. I really don't know. I saw some of the demo pictures and I could not understand them at all. I could not make any sense of what they were showing me. Good sign. Good sign for a stage play. Uh, but Mashley is very funny to me because it's like so just gags. There's not really any connective tissue. I mean, there is a narrative, but it's like, who cares? It's really just jokes. Um so what what is the stage play version of that? Is it really just like a comedy show where they yeah, do like it sounds some just like humor? an extended comedy skit themed around the show. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. can see that happening with very elaborate costumes. It, but it just reminded me of like how funny I, I, I think I don't know uh, if our discerning uh, anime uh, best friends out there uh, are too hooked into the theater world, but. Uh, Hey, stagecraft uh, really suffering in America. People really do not give a shit about like live theater in America right now. It's and, true. Uh, broad- Broadway has been struggling like crazy to like lure people back in. Even though there has been a string recently of like very popular shows. Obviously, Hamilton went off. Even though I fucking that's so fucking stupid. There was a show recently called uh, Hades Town that exploded. I oh yeah, I've heard a lot about that. that one. That got I featured that on really the good. NPR. Uh, so it must be good. Yeah. I, but it just had me thinking a lot about how they did that Spider-Man, the failed, the legendary failed Spider-Man production. Hey, we how... got like a four out of ten Imagine Dragons album out of that. You, I will say, you really did blow my mind when you revealed that Radioactive was from the Spider-Man stage show. Well, I never not, put that not it was from Imagine Dragons' uh, rejected like pitch for the Spider-Man stage show. They were on, uh, you know, they were gonna score it, and then like halfway through production, the director is like, "Yeah, none of this music works for me. Uh, you guys gotta go." <laughs> This sucks, even yeah. for me. <laughs> Spider-Man, turn off the dark. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> and so at least for Radioactive, they, they changed around some words <laughs> and, and released it as a fucking single. Really, like, broke my brain for a little while. But it just got me thinking, like, that Spider-Man, what if the Spider-Man thing had actually really taken off and we had, like, in Japan, this, like, pop culture renaissance on Broadway where we had you know a fucking iron man stage play you know we had a batman stage play we had a fast and <laughs> furious stage play you know like what what they, we could have at there was a point an inflection point in our reality where that could have been uh, a possibility and we squandered it like our sick american minds <laughs> i uh, i just thought that was that's an interesting thing uh these stage plays are a real uh big question mark to me obviously because i haven't seen any of them i always i always kind of like maybe i should like watch a youtube compilation of, of some of these uh just see what's going on i also watched a, a trilogy of shorts called noroi no one piece and no nate that is not related to one piece uh, okay, you know, there was some confusion. I'll admit that uh, I shouldn't have made an assumption uh, on on my end, but, like, uh, when you we're talking about anime and you put the words one piece next to each other, uh, it's reasonable to assume you were talking about the mega popular show One Piece. <laughs> sure, sure. I No, I get the thing. I, I get it. But, uh, no, this, this came out... Well, right, actually right around when One Piece would have been starting. I think it came out around 92. Um, and it's just a, a trio of short 
horror pieces about a woman's dress, what they call a one piece, just a kind of a flowy dress. Not a swimsuit. Not a swimsuit. It is a formal dress. It's very, very important that it is a formal dress. And it kind of represents a lot of interesting things. And it is an American-style dress that curses young Japanese women. I think, you know, we could go real deep into some of the implications going on in these shorts. But uh, basically, I just wanted to shout them out because they're really beautiful. They're really beautifully animated. They have that great uh, early 90s, late 80s aesthetic to them and they're animated in a really gorgeous way i mean the best part about 90s manga and anime is the clothing it's great love a good windbreaker yeah and there's really great clothing in these too and it's directed by very uh notoriously now because of certain really bummer events that i'd rather not mention but is directed by uh yoshiji kigami um who was uh a a big part of grave of the fireflies and akira okay well that was an ominous lead-in for 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 this well Uh, he uh he did end up working at kyoto animation uh until recently and that's all i'll say about that uh, i'm gonna have to do some research i don't i don't Uh, like the sound of that yeah i i don't want (laughs) to you can put together the pieces anyway i it's you know we don't talk a lot about shorts like that because again it's like this was not widely available i kind of just stumbled upon it but like some of the best animation you can find in anime is little shorts nice anyway yeah you know and just uh, just to wrap up a couple other things i i touched on recently i read a short horror story called husband in the freezer which uh uh, Finally, someone puts the husband in the freezer. I know. Uh, she she really strikes a lot of blows for gender equality in J- Japan, this this wife of the husband who ends up in the freezer. I got to say, uh, oh, it's a great, great horror story. Assuming that, that this isn't more like of a like a gag situation where he's like trapped in the freezer. <laughs> trapped in the freezer. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to avoid uh, <laughs> that illusion. Uh, it's really good. It's really good. Uh, it's not very long. It's only like 10 or so chapters, handful of chapters. Really great little horror story. I very, very much recommend it. And the big one, just to end off on my little roundup, is JoJo Land started. New JoJo arc. This New is the JoJo, ninth, baby. Ninth JoJo arc. I lived to see the ninth JoJo arc. You know, Kentaro Miura, rest in peace. I'm, I'm very, very sad. Uh, I thought he would be here long after me, but uh, at least Araki is plugging away. He looks like he has no signs of stopping. JoJo Lance has launched. It feels just as fresh as any other JoJo, just as bizarre, just as fucked up. And uh, this new JoJo, he's a, he's a Hawaiian JoJo. He lives on the islands. And he fucking hates cops, baby. Hell yeah. Yeah, let's fucking go, dude. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We've got at least two JoJo's who are actively uh, antagonistic to police, American police. JoJo says ACAB. Jolene, yeah. And now Jodio are both like very actively anti-cop. Not passively like Jotaro and Josuke, obviously, but uh, like very actively ACAB, which, uh, you know, hey. You got me. I'm hooked. I'm hooked, baby. Take me wherever the fuck you want, Araki. I am following you to hell and back. 
I mean, you've long been uh, a JoJo guy. There is no chance that you weren't going to be on this train. No, no, of course not. But, you know, there is always the danger of a very long-running series, uh, you know, becoming stale. Has uh, he ever, I don't know, after after eight full arcs, has he delivered a, a miss yet? I mean, I don't think so. I I really love all of them. But obviously, you know, people, there are people out there who don't like, you know, arc arc six or arc five or arc four or whatever for their own weird reasons i like them you know you know a lot of people don't even like the first one they think phantom blood is really weak uh, i kind of get it but i love phantom blood i really love it I, I i wouldn't say it's weak at all but people have their weird reasons for hating on uh, certain arcs of jojo i think that uh maybe the issue people have with phantom blood is that it is so different obviously from what jojo became when it was when it started its massive rise in popularity right uh i would almost call jojo a sleeper hit uh for the first maybe arc and a half uh i don't know exactly the exact numbers on that but it really didn't pick up as the cultural uh phenomena that it was until until the really weird stuff started happening in battle tendency Yes, yes. Well, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that say Battle Tendency as well is, like, not not true JoJo or not good JoJo. People, A lot of people say you have to skip to Jotaro in, in Arc 3 to really get JoJo experience. And I get that because, obviously, the stands are a huge differentiator. But I'd say every every one of them is very, very different from each other. You know, going from Jotaro to Josuke is a huge leap in and of itself, even when there's no... You know, they don't take stands away or replace them with any other kind of like, magic or whatever. But it is a huge uh, change in pacing and setting and story construction and, and like narrative devices. All that stuff changes. And it has changed every single time. I mean, uh, fucking uh, Golden Wind is uh, probably the closest to what we had before. And even then, it gets so freaky with it. Like, well, you know, I think gold. that's part of the uh, the you know artistry of of this whole thing. Or or Araki has set up basically. He can just when he gets bored of writing one thing, he can just start writing a completely new and different thing while still staying true to the heart of what JoJo is. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, whatever the fuck Araki is into is JoJo. That's it. That's the heart of JoJo. I mean, you know, like like we've talked about it a little bit before, but many manga operate basically as a how-to manual for whatever the author decides he's into at the time of starting it, right? You know, you pick a topic that you're interested in, and then you do a bunch of research, uh, Mm -hmm. and then you fit as many uh, awkwardly placed references to all the technical stuff about that thing. Uh, into your narrative as possible. Araki just does that with fashion and like '80s music. Well, and and he just goes on vacation and goes. I'll just I'll write my next arc here. Like this arc very much feels like uh, he he was he took a vacation to Hawaii and he watched what the Wire season one on the plane. <laughs> like that's that's what this arc is basically. That's what it feels like to me. We're not you know, too far uh, in, he wanted to do a mafia story, so he did Golden Wind. He wanted to do a murder mystery, so he did uh, yeah. Diamond is Forever. He wanted mm-hmm. to do uh, you know a high adventure uh, global uh, romp, 
Yes, so he did Stardust Crusaders. Yeah, he wanted to write about the the gayest horse race ever. So he, he did. did uh, do you think that he really did just watch uh, um, Steel Ball Run and decided like, oh, I'm just gonna do that, or not Steel Ball Run, uh, Cannonball Run? Uh, yes, yeah. He just he just watched did. Cannonball Run and he was like, oh, I'll just that's gonna be the next arc of JoJo. Yeah, I'll do something like that, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, since it's America, I'll throw Jesus in there. Fuck it. <laughs> So very excited. I'm very excited to see where this goes. I, I cannot wait. I cannot right. wait. All right, all right. I'm not going to sit here and let you talk about JoJo all day. Okay, okay. That's my roundup. Let's uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we can talk about uh, this honestly, like, disgusting thing you made me watch. <laughs> the truly baffling thing. Yeah. Uh, sure. All right, let's take a break. Let's catch our breath, and then I'll, I'll ramble some more. Welcome back to Anime Death Spiral. I'm Nate. In my next life, I want to reincarnate as somebody who can pronounce words correctly. There, I got it out. I got it out this time. So you had me... First of all, I I messaged you yesterday saying that I hadn't had time to read or or watch anything new this week. And so you told me to go watch uh, episode one of, of Oshinoko. Uh, you failed to mention that it was 82 minutes long, so... <laughs> well, you know, do your due diligence next time. I know. So, uh, it is fresh in my head right before recording this. Uh, what did you make me watch? Well, we talked about how much you enjoyed Aka Akasaka's previous work, Kaguya-sama. Uh, we both enjoyed it quite a lot. I did. I did enjoy it quite a bit. I was very disappointed to figure to find out that this is the follow-up. <laughs> it's not really. A, I mean, they're not related. They're completely separate things. That is uh, a light romantic comedy uh, with a lot of gag elements, but kind of a, a good heart and uh, a smart take and a spin on the genre. This is a completely bizarre. Um, celebrity worshiping uh, <laughs> freak of nature, I suppose. I, I don't know. Uh, the author's, uh, by my estimation, third work after Kaguya-sama and Ib colon Instant Bullets, which I really, really like, but we'll probably never see the light of day. <laughs> well, it's uh, it, it came out of the gate with uh, a big, huge 90-minute episode one um, there was a lot of hype surrounding this. Oshinoko is seriously fucking hot right now. Um, for a non-battle like shonen manga, uh, this has been a huge, huge release. Very much an upset, I think. Um, and so, you know, I, I've read a little bit of it beforehand, before I knew they were going to adapt it. Um, but now it's come out, and I, I made you watch the first episode uh, for a few different reasons. But why don't you take us through it, and you can kind of expound on what's been troubling you well so i wrote down a, a list of stuff that struck me <laughs> Shit, in the, there's a list in the first uh, five minutes that comes up in the first five minutes that uh, i 
I fell. It is a very weird setup for what amounts to a uh, murder slash revenge mystery. So the setup we have is uh, I've already forgotten his original name, but you have our main guy who is a doctor in a small uh, rural <laughs> town, rural city in Japan. And uh, first of all, he's a gynecologist, which sets off huge red flags for me. No, 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 no. He's a he's a general practitioner because it's not a big hospital. He does he does everything. Okay, the, the, the Wikipedia the summary that I looked up specifically calls him a gynecologist. Okay, well, I, 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 who knows? Maybe there's some kind of weird little detail, but he is like, he also treats the general patients. Yes, it's not yes. a big deal. You know, you're right. Deal. He does he does treat general patients because the second primary character that we're introduced to uh, is is the cancer kid that he's taking cancer care of. Kid. <laughs> yep. Yep. Cancer kid. Uh, we got cancer kids already, uh, who uh, is a 12-year-old girl who is a huge fan of uh, an idol group. She's tumored up, and she loves idols. Yep. And she dies right away. That's our first emotional spike. And to carry on her memory, this doctor decides to become a a huge uh, fan creep. of the same yeah a huge oh. creepy fan <laughs> of the of the same <laughs> idol group that she was into which is really troubling for someone like a doctor uh you really can't be bringing that uh, that emotional baggage home with you <laughs> <laughs> okay and then so we've established that so that's why this this doctor this middle-aged man i guess he's not middle-aged he's what in his 20s he seems Youngish, I guess. Late twenties. Uh, someone who is old enough to be a doctor, but still young. Yeah. Uh, out of happenstance, this idol that he's a super huge fan of comes to his rural hospital to give birth to twins in secret. Yep. Uh, so as not to tip off the paparazzo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also the fans. Yes, yeah, and the important. fans, which brings up the first like major theme, I guess the you could you could say about this show um uh, i just find it a detestable fact about idol culture in general but this idea that like idols uh, are not allowed to have like relationships or lives outside of being objects for the fans to like obsess over yes it's very it's very weird and i'll i'll give it credit cuz you know the fact that that attitude and culture is an issue and ultimately dangerous is a major theme of this work um but it you know it really we'll we'll get into it how i feel about how it approaches that particular topic <laughs> um anyway she comes oh by the way uh, i didn't mention but um teenager we got teen pregnancy uh, going on by the way uh-oh yeah we got uh, cancer girl and teen pregnancy yeah um i don't know why why that particular detail needed to b exist uh, as far as i can tell so far there's no particular reason why she had to be a teenager in the story well because idol culture is also like insanely fetishistic of youth not just idol culture but you know a lot of anime and manga pop culture stuff is it, it basically the cult of the cult of moe you know the cult of youth worship so of course she has to be young 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she has to be young enough to still be young when she hits it big as an idol. So she has to be pretty young. So setting that aside, um, yeah. moving on, you know, our next major story beat here is, uh, you know, she's at the hospital. She's going through prenatal care with this doctor. And there's like a few gags about him trying not to, to fanboy over her, which again, a late 20s year old man fanboying over his 16 year old like uh idol pop star that he's obsessed with not a great place to start with uh yeah Uh, i re i really hate that i can't stress that enough anyway uh they develop kind of like a a friendly relationship because he's her primary care provider uh again really stretching the bounds of what it means to be like an ethical uh health practitioner (laughs) Hey, there's there's only the one doctor apparently. Yeah, he's the he's the one doctor at this hospital. Yeah. Uh, of course it had to be him. It's got to be me. Uh anyway, uh we jump forward to uh the day that she's due to give birth and for some reason or another uh one of her stalkers has been able to track her down and and he notices this suspicious person like hanging around the the hospital grounds i guess um the way they had the scene set up it seemed like there was kind of like just a huge uh victorian style like park uh or uh in front of the hospital like it was up on a a hill it's a rural hospital there's rural (laughs) there's rural areas anyway he goes to chase off this this suspicious looking dude um and and ends up getting uh, pushed off a cliff and dying. So we have our, our first uh, or our second death of of a primary character. Uh, and so here's where we have uh, the next major narrative uh, uh, diversion, I guess I would say, um, uh, where we really get in into the the crux of the series is he is uh he is reincarnated you know he dies from getting pushed off the cliff and is then reincarnated as one of this pop star's newborn twins yep new lease on life yeah uh with with all of his you know adult memories of his previous life by the way uncle aqua who can recall his past life <laughs> yes and so then we, you know, I guess almost immediately it also throws us that the other twin, uh, who's named Ruby, Aqua and Ruby, uh, are their names, which is, uh, to their credit, something I could see a 16-year-old naming their newborns. Yeah, they're just <laughs> dumb enough to be like uh, uh, celebrity kid names, yeah. We, you know, we get an extended sequence of, of them growing up and revealing that not only is he... Uh, you know, an adult-minded person inside this baby body, but his twin sister is also somebody else uh, that has been reincarnated. And they try and play coy about it for, uh, you know, a long time, even though it's very obvious that the the twin sister is the reincarnated cancer kid um, uh, because it's established that they are both, like, reincarnated super fans of this pop star. They got to reincarnate as her children. It's it's very heavily implied. Yes, I mean they 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 do confirm it at at a certain point in that episode, but they don't know that about each other yet. 
they don't know that they knew each other in their previous lives. Yes, for some reason, and they don't seem to ever reveal this to each other, even though it seems like something you'd want to get out of the way right at the beginning. But uh, it I also just seems very it. obvious because he's like, oh, wow, I reincarnated as the as the child of this pop star that I really liked. Who else do I know that died recently that also really liked this person? <laughs> <laughs> There's only one other person I know in my entire life. Uh, well, uh, I mean, I'm just saying uh, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence <laughs> pointing to who it is. <laughs> yeah, this guy's trying to be a detective and he can't even figure this out. Jesus. Uh, and and obviously they are uh, essentially genius babies uh, because, well, I mean, he has the brain of an adult doctor. Uh, she was a 12 year old girl when she died yeah, she, she was just a, a girl who didn't go to school or anything so let's say uh, calling her a genius is maybe i mean i don't want to genius shit on for, her, but, for uh, a little baby <laughs> she is slightly more intelligent than the average newborn <laughs> uh, he is definitely uh okay at least he is definitely a baby genius he's one of those yes, genius those babies he is definitely a BB genius. A BB though genius. He does. He'd be a BB. He's definitely a bebe. My bebe genius. <laughs> uh, but he also does seem to get stupider. Uh, I don't know if that came across in the in the anime, but it definitely comes across in the manga. Like he does seem to get stupider as he regresses uh, into childhood. Well, I mean, you know, baby brains are are physically different. Well, you know, it's a it's a good question because like how much how much biology is actually at play here, right? Isn't that one of the big questions of all these reincarnation things? Sure. Well, maybe we'll get into that later. But yes, uh, but uh, they, they they're just chilling as genius babies. Yes, and you know they're they're doing some like genius baby behind the scenes stuff, trying to make sure that their their mom becomes successful. Because they have to pretend like they are not their mother's children. Yes, which, that's uh, a big if thing. If they weren't, if they weren't literally reincarnated <clears throat> people who knew that she wasn't their mother uh would probably be really scarring for a child and so you know we get like kind of like some time skips of like okay this is what they're like at one year old and this is what they're like at two year old and uh, he's having like full-on conversations with ad other adult men <laughs> yep like there's that scene where the the director of the low budget movie the their mother is is working on is like talking is like hey kid i want you to be in my movie and it's like dude you are talking to a two-year-old baby <laughs> he's like who's your agent kid yeah wow this four-year-old has a crazy vocabulary you want to star in some commercials or whatever so, you know, we get uh, a lot of stuff like that establishing that they do retain memory. They are very smart. They have stupid names, <laughs> uh, all that, all that stuff. And then we get to the end of what this is basically the prologue. What we get to is, you know, the stalker fan that originally killed the doctor dude, uh, Aqua, in his past life somehow gets tipped off to where they're living and shows up and kills their mother um and and it's very traumatizing and the episode ends with them uh resolving as teenagers now to figure out who their father was i forgot to mention uh, they don't know who their father was uh, is nobody does nobody does it was a secret and and their mother didn't tell anybody probably because she was 16 years old <laughs> uh yeah that dude would be arrested yeah 
and and you know he he being a genius baby he deduces that uh, his father is the only one who could have told the stalker fan where they live and and resolves to and also, find him uh, yeah and also being a super genius yes. and incredibly uh, 400 IQ he actually figures out that he probably shares the same DNA with his <laughs> birth father he figures it out people <laughs> My doctor degree lets <laughs> lets me know about DNA. I spec doctor, so I know what a, a paternal uh, identity test is. <laughs> so, so the episode ends with them resolving to uh, find their father and take revenge. Yeah, it ends very dramatically, but I do have to, not to spoil you or whatever. But it does end up meandering through like some. Well, very again, this much was like uh, it was eighty two minutes long, but it was the first episode. I guess yes, they're on. A, there's four episodes currently uh, coming out on the on the anime. I think we're up to six now. Um, don't quote me on that. I won't quote you on but, that. But uh, yes, uh, but the manga has been publishing for a while, and uh, they do end up uh, wasting a lot of time doing stupid Hollywood bullshit. Uh, not, again, not to spoil you, but if uh, you know, if you want to know, that's how it goes. So you know you can you can see you can see the the issues that I naturally would have with just the setup for this show. <laughs> yes. What's on your list? Let's hear the list. Oh, uh, I mean, we went through. We have uh, what a bad doctor-patient uh, relationship. Uh, Very unprofessional doctor. Yes. We that's have teen pregnancy. One. We have someone teen bringing pregnancy. up a late-term abortion. Uh, <laughs> we have a literal idol worship. Yep, yep. Uh, we got cancer kid. Cancer kid, for sure, for sure. A girl who doesn't go to school. <laughs> yeah, God forbid. <laughs> I and again, that's all stuff that I wrote down in the first five minutes. Yeah, I'm surprised you stopped taking notes. Were you so like overwhelmed at that point? That hey, no, just, it like, was. It was too much to keep up with. It was too bizarre to watch unfold to to keep taking you didn't notes. even you, d you didn't even make a note about how squeamish he was about breastfeeding uh yeah well i mean the <laughs> I, whole idea of being the child of someone that you had a uh, a parasocial relationship with and more and, than that a, a doctor patient relationship yeah well, first of all, having a doctor-patient relationship with someone that you had a parasocial relationship with. Yeah, these relationships are stacking up. And <laughs> like, he was a bad doctor. Up. He should have lost his license over that. He he should have maybe deferred her to someone else. Uh, probably, probably. Um, that is a major conflict of interest. Uh, it, it does seem a bit improper, for sure. Not Not the best. Not the best look. For a, a rural hospital doctor so you know being you i've assumed that you've read all of this uh of, of the manga so far no i have not uh oh. i did i did dip out after a little while not even too far after what the the anime's already gotten to um not because of the insanely creepy shit that has been pretty thoroughly documented at this point uh, mostly because I just cannot stand one stories that backseat the most interesting part of themselves being the uh, mystery of the murder mm -hmm. and, and two the the mundane routine details of trying to become famous for fame's sake 
is just oh yeah uh, i forgot to mention that as well the like you know the the instruction manual topic for this anime is how to be uh in the japanese entertainment industry how to work in the entertainment industry and and that's already evil enough i'm not (laughs) i I don't want let me i'm gonna be clear i'm not one of these like kim kardashian uh it's famous for being fair i don't i'm not a hater like that you know i i am i accept the the biz is what it is uh you know people perform uh, and they get money for it, and we consume these products as a culture. That's fine, whatever. But the way it, it the way it's precious, while also trying to maintain like a cynical air about it, I feel it's like, you know, as someone who is also like mentally brain damaged in the way where I have to like obsess about how backstage shit works in a lot of like industries. Uh, I also feel like it is very naive about a lot of this shit. Even as it's being cynical about it, I'm like, you are too naive. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, you, know, you are looking into like the gaping maw of like true hell it, that is the entertainment industry, and you're still being naive. About okay, well, it. what I found really detestable at the end there is, you know, one of the themes that you that you just brought up is basically, and what they say a lot. Uh, in that episode is like yeah you know the entertainment industry is like about making money at the end of the day and it's okay to lie to the audience if it's going to get you more viewers and and that's something that their mother the pop star is like incredibly conflicted over in private and she feels very guilty about it and so when she gets murdered and her murderer basically says like uh, I'm killing you because all you do is lie to people like me. It, she basically like confirms to him that he was right to do it. Um, yes, that is a very, very strange choice where she basically apologizes to the fucking creep who stabs her in the guts. Yeah. Uh, I really, really don't like that choice. Yeah, I really hated that. I get it because there is a thematic element that's trying to be conveyed there. Uh, but man, that sucks. It's a really sucky way to do it. I wish it did not exist and hadn't been written that way. I think it's probably objectively the the incorrect way to and, do it. And you said um, that uh, the author didn't even originally want to kill her at the end of the uh, the prologue arc. Yeah, I re- I had read recently that like she was supposed to either like keep living uh, or die much much later on. She steals the spotlight too much uh, for the other characters to like get their story off the ground. So I guess that was the choice they made. I, I mean know, that is kind of a, a theme though that they that they bring up um if you think about it uh i may yeah, actually getting... be giving them a, a compliment on on story structure here is the her being like such a, a a show stealer like she's so magnanimous and and charismatic that no matter what she's in like she is stealing attention away from other people and like that uh, comes up repeatedly throughout her career. She is a professional upstager. Um, she's like uh, she's like genetically enhanced upstager. <laughs> she she's has taking... star shaped pupils, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has like low level hypnosis powers. So yeah, it, it is an interesting thing. There's interesting choices there being made that I I'm sort of in the dark about. The thing I. I find really interesting about Oshinoko, and this is now where I have to like complicate it. I'm sorry, but uh, 
The thing I find really interesting about Oshinoko is the the way reincarnation is treated. And I think reincarnation is really interesting. And not to get all like uh, oh technical Star Trekky about it, but there are like mechanics, narrative mechanics to reincarnation that I find really interesting. And the way that Oshinoko does it compared to some of the uh, the way it's been treated in other narratives, um, I find a clash in a weird way. Uh, so recently, I've been reading Bokuro Bokura Bokura no Kiseki. God damn, I'm bad at this. You really are. I think it's called our our miracle in English. Now, this is a story about reincarnation as well. This is a story about a boy who recalls his past life. Um, from a very early age, he remembers that he was a princess of a foreign kingdom. Uh, apparently, it's sort of like a fantasy kingdom because there was like magic or whatever. And he tries to, when he's young, he doesn't really understand what you know what other people's experiences are like so he's pretty flippant about it he thinks everybody's reincarnated so he's like yeah uh when i when i reincarnated i became this little boy but i was like a princess and rightfully so uh, he gets bullied for a long time (laughs) 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 and uh and so he eventually begins to hide it and he stops talking about it but you know he still thinks about it a lot and then uh one day something very strange happens at school somebody uses magic and he doesn't know who he wasn't there but a friend of his gets attacked in a magic way and when the magic uh it sort of you know shines like a light um mm-hmm. and when the magic is seen by people in his class like it starts with a handful of people who who witness this through a window they have like mental breakdowns and realize that they too have reincarnated from this fantasy land and they sort of awaken to their latent personalities and they have these incredibly confused experiences like these like weird like de-births where they temporarily like regress into that personality and have to sort of like uh, be kind of worked back into their current personality um, slowly and gently so that they don't have like a mental breakdown about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it slowly is revealed, you know, that these are people who were at this castle during this incredibly traumatic event. They, the, the princess's castle is invaded and they're all slaughtered and they all start waking up to this. And more and more people from his class, uh, when they're accidentally exposed to these things, at one point he's written a journal in his like foreign language uh, characters and some people spot it and it triggers this again this like reawakening but the story is really interesting it's a really good read it's incredibly dramatic uh there's some really goofy stuff in it the magic in particular is like real like real goofy but it's a it's a hell of a page turner it's really well written um i I like it a lot um but what's interesting about it here is that the story is essentially about what we bring with us into the present from the past and what what is worth keeping and what needs to be discarded in order to like live as we are now so it's a lot about the like the ptsd of uh these things that are now long long dead these people who are long long dead and what that means to the people who are now who are living now these high schoolers uh who have parents and lives and friends and homework and shit uh, what what 
what value is there to like dredging up this old stuff? And the the conflict comes from them constantly uh, trying to discover that for themselves. Like what is important to remember and what is important to forget? And so that is the conflict in the story is these these clashings of these two people who now have to coexist inside one body um and that's fascinating and and it's treated in a really good way in that story uh sometimes you know the all these kids get really wrapped up in like dredging up these old uh grudges and things they have against each other because not all of them are you know uh not all of them were the being invaded people some of them were the invading people and now they're like they wake up and they're classmates and shit. They have to take gym together, right? It creates a lot of really juicy drama. But that central aspect of it where it's two people in one body living uh, now a single life and having to determine like what's valuable there uh, to keep and what needs to be discarded is a really, really interesting conflict. And in Oshinoko... I mean, they, are, they, have, they have fully formed minds from birth basically yes yes and much like the main character of this uh, they remember pretty pretty fast uh, they they had kind of have it on lock but what's interesting about Oshinoko and and is and I, I suspect at some point they will reach sort of a similar conclusion where this grudge becomes a a, 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 a laborious thing for aqua because uh, it doesn't seem to matter to uh, Ruby but it really doesn't i don't know why but she does just not interested uh but for for aqua he becomes obsessed with it and it becomes like his driving force in his life and i have to assume at some point they'll get to this conflict where he has to decide who he is and like what is worth bringing forward into this new life of his but they he was a he was a full-ass grown-ass man who lives in doctor. the near he was a doctor he lived in the near present his parents are still alive you know, uh, yeah, but I, I do like that not... the most research he ever did was like Googling his name to see if anyone ever found his body. Yeah. What a fucking drip. Right. But he he very, very quickly discards his old life. It doesn't seem to enter his mind at all. And in fact, his personality changes so much. He allows his personality to change so much. It's almost like there is no reason for reincarnation except for this like I was aware of what was going on in my life when I was four years old you know there isn't a huge amount of drama that's centered around the reincarnation itself because like we said he was a doctor as a doctor and he doesn't seem to give her first aid when she's stabbed I, I know what, what what what's up with that um, <laughs> well he makes complete... an offhand comment like oh I know where she must have gotten stabbed but you know oh she was stabbed in her in her abdominal aorta that's the most doctor talk that we get after he's a baby and yeah and like i said i've read some so he doesn't really he doesn't he doesn't really revisit that stuff at most the most he ever thinks about it is he occasionally thinks like well i had my past life so i feel a little more mature than all these uh these people around me who are mostly just children but it doesn't affect him very much it doesn't come into his daily life he doesn't think about the cons the the consequences of being an adult surrounded by children all day and neither does she really well you know by the time that 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 they are reincarnated as teenagers she's already older than she was in her previous life yes and so she's uh, already lived like a whole ass other life longer than than her last one yes he's firmly middle age and she is firmly like mid-20s now uh but they don't but they 
they don't think about that at all. They pretend that they're just regular teenagers for the most part. Not even pretend. They they really naturalize to these lives to the point where they don't think about reincarnation at all. And I think that's really that uh, that contrasts with our miracle like so much. Uh, well, even like, like you said, it was just an, the the whole concept is just an excuse to have uh, a genius baby <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah, well, I really wonder about that because that was the thing that left me. I, I kind of wanted to continue reading it because I'm really interested to see how that folds back into the story at some point because I really want it to approach in the same way as our miracle. I want reincarnation to be a big aspect of the story because I'm really interested in reincarnation. Well, you know, obviously he just, he wouldn't have cared as much if she was just his mom. She also had to be an idol that he was obsessed with as a grown I man. Guess. I guess so. Uh, I, I, I'm really interested to see, uh, even if I never read it again, I'm really interested to see if that ever comes up. Um, the, the, the third aspect to this is, the, the third approach, I think, is in, uh, I say third like it's super definitive, but a third approach is in Spirit Circle, um, a manga that I read a really long time ago. This is by uh, Satoshi uh, Mizukami. This guy uh, is also the author of Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, uh, unfortunately named, and also I, I don't think is very good. But I do think Spirit Circle is like genuinely one of my favorite manga. I think it's a masterpiece, even though you should go check out as fast as possible. It is truly, truly divine, even if the art puts you off of look at first, uh, push through because it is fantastic. But that's a story about a boy who has a mysterious scar on his face that he doesn't remember getting and he's living a normal life and he doesn't really think a lot about you know um, these strange things that pop into his mind every once in a while until one day now <laughs> stop me if you've heard this one before a mysterious girl transfers into his class and he <laughs> is immediately smitten with her uh, her whole mysterious aura is very alluring and like the first day she's there he tries to walk uh home with her and she's really standoffish to him uh he's not really interested in making friends <laughs> i wonder where i've heard that before until they're they're like kind of just stumbling around and until she pulls off this band-aid he has on his face because he's a little embarrassed of the scar and recognizes it very clearly like her eyes light up she's like what the fuck she asks him a question that he doesn't understand and then uh, uh, she manifests a very bizarre-looking hula hoop and kicks this kid down the fucking stairs head first, <laughs> just throws him the fuck down some stairs. Uh, great moment. And when his head cracks, uh, we flash back to, like, pre-civilization uh, to a, a, another boy who is uh, speaking with some spirits. And this boy has a, a friend. She's a, a girl in his village. And the girl uh, is chosen to be sacrificed as, uh, you know, uh, a, a way to appease whatever, you know, God they believe in. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think most human sacrifices were just because people were really bored back then. Well, it seems like he doesn't even really buy into it. And he gets really pissed off because he's like, well, everybody knows that's bullshit, right? And she, they're like, well, you know, it's what we do, so don't worry about it. Anyway, he shows up. He's really mad about it. And he shows up to the ceremony, and he can't take it. She's tied down, so he runs up to stop the ceremony. And a girl who looks extremely familiar 
steps in front of him and cuts his fucking head off. <laughs> Classic. And then and then our boy wakes up in bed, uh, rubbing his temple like, man, that was really fucking weird. I don't really know who I am right now. There seems to be like people inside me. I don't I, I don't know what's happening right now. And suddenly I'm having these conflicting feelings. I, I'm not 100% sure about my identity anymore. And the story continues uh, from there. And you can imagine there are there's uh, maybe more than one of these things happens to him. Uh, and he learns that the, the, the girl uh, also remembers past lives, except she's, she remembers all of them. And uh, she fucking hates him for some reason that he's going to discover at some point. And so that becomes a story of like, what what is it in reincarnation uh, that we've lost and would benefit us to regain, especially when we're dealing with people who have shared lives with us and uh, what it means to be a person who is missing parts of themselves and interacting with a person who isn't, right? And like, that's uh, finding what's missing inside of you and, and gaining that and what that adds to your life and who you are when those pieces are reassembled is sort of the driving force of Spirit Circle, which is also a fascinating take on reincarnation. And it leads to really interesting conflict, especially when you realize, like, maybe you've wronged people and you don't realize it. Uh, and what do you do when you realize it? You know, like, uh, how do relationships change when you realize uh, parts of yourself that are missing are parts that should be missing? All that kind of thing is really fascinating. And again, bringing it back to Oshinoko, which central uh, uh, central aspect is reincarnation. Neither one of our mans seems to give a shit <laughs> about what happened before. Uh, it's just very, very bizarre. You know, in, in stories about reincarnation where the person as quickly as possible discards those past lives and and, and is well i mean really to be fair for the girl that. at least her past life was being a, a cancer kid and then dying when she was 12 yes she has a very interesting dynamic with reincarnation because it's like now she has a life that she could only fantasize about it's like she's being rewarded for her punishment which is again an interesting thing when we consider reincarnations and it's its relationship to suffering and reaching enlightenment, you know, the, the, the wheel of karma and all that is, is an interesting approach to her suffering, uh, something that I'm sure won't be explored in any depth uh, <laughs> because of where the story seems to be uh, going. But I guess uh, what, I'm, what I'm interested in is like how reincarnation interacts with a narrative in this way, uh, in, in, the, in the granular way where like we now have a, a mid- uh, you know, a, a mid forties, would you say, man? Um, um <clears throat> early forties man who is Yeah, no, that's that's safe, assuming he was, let's say let's say the earliest you can be a doctor is is like twenty six. Yeah. Nice. Um <laughs> uh <laughs> and and then you have adding on top of that, what, is he like sixteen? Uh sixteen. When, yeah. So yeah, yeah, at, at least forty. Yeah, so we have a, a, a early forties man, um, and now we have the central conflict on one side, the granular aspect of it being like, are you are a, a forty year old man who is basically pretending to be a teenager and going to high school and shit, 
and playing this off like where what are the material consequences of that you don't seem to be bothered by it very much at all um, but there's also the the uh, more I mean I think that's the audience's tip off that you don't have to be bothered by it <laughs> Well, I mean, this is, but that's what I mean. Like, this is a metatextual aspect of it where, like, are we going to get into the idea that, like, he is a new person? When you are reincarnated, even if you have those memories, who are you, right? Is he a new person who has memories of his old self? Or is he his old self who is developing new memories in a new body? Or are these two things conflicting with each other and he's trying to resolve them? But we don't seem to really be dealing with any of those things uh and it becomes a question where the audience has to decide and it becomes a question of how creepy is this fucking dude is he a mid-40s man who is going to start dating 16 year old girls like uh, why are you leaving it up to us the audience to have to make these decisions for these characters that's like that is the part ultimately that drives me fucking crazy about Oshinoko why do I have to decide exactly how fucking creepy this guy is why is it my job uh so that's my that's my my spiel (laughs) about Oshinoko that is my central uh, problem with it I guess and is what I've been really frustrated about since I started reading this even Um, I'm very interested to see if that becomes a thing for other people because I will just for full disclosure like I didn't get that far in the manga and he did not end up dating any girls. Okay, so like, so far. Uh, as so far, he 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 declined to breastfeed from the <laughs> the young woman he was born to uh, and he has not seriously dated any girls or done anything particularly improper besides just existing in that environment. So I I I can't say like uh, this dude is a fucking creep or whatever just offhand like that. Uh, though it seems like he's flirting with it quite a lot, uh, sometimes literally. Uh, but, you know, it, it, these are the questions that are being ignored in the story about reincarnation, which uh, bothers me because I do like reincarnation stories. In fact, this ends up being a lot more similar to something like uh, Tokyo Revengers, which becomes much more of a fantasy about regressing into your old self so that you can have the fun experiences in high school that you missed out on right it, more of like a regrets from the past kind of story um sure uh, that like, whole like you know what would you do if you got to be 14 again but but kept all your memories it's the same thing ex- exactly exactly what would you do differently it's just a bunch like, of fucking old dudes navel gazing about stuff that they wish they'd done uh when they were younger yeah i don't find 17, that aspect yeah. particularly enticing or or interesting you well know. i've that kind of story and that you know it's not just Tokyo Avengers it's a whole other separate genre um I, which I consider much more DNA closely related to an isekai um where it's like well I would go back and fuck high school girls like <laughs> I would run with the bad boys and fuck high school girls <laughs> uh, no actually which, I would be um that character from Dazed and Confused <laughs> They stay the same age? No, I stay the same age. They they keep changing. (laughs) Uh, Okay, all right. All right. You know what? Uh, I'll I'll let you get any final thoughts, but we've rambled too much about this. We're running on here. Sure. Sure. Sorry. I I just (laughs) had a lot of thoughts because those things have been clashing in my mind recently. And I think Oshinoko is interesting. It just doesn't... 
it seems to be ignoring the most interesting aspects of itself which we've talked about this before but like manga does it a lot anime does it a lot and it drives me fucking crazy anyway sorry that that is just that's my thing about oshinoko I'm glad you watched the first episode. Uh, you should give it one or two more just to see how you feel. About I, it. I might, but that's a that's a hard sell from the first episode. I found a lot of that Ugh. really off-putting. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, it's interesting uh, uh. how weird it is. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's take a break, and then when we come back, we can oh. uh, we can wrap things up here. All right, all right. again anime death spiral uh last episode i had tasked remy with giving me another uh one chapter challenge she was going to pick a bunch of trashy rom-coms for me to go through and read a chapter each and get a general impression because uh as we've established i guess trashy rom-coms are my thing uh so i'm going to lean into it we uh, I, uh, we had mentioned offhand that uh I, I could give you a little nice little pile here and uh, I can, and I will. Well, I see you've written down uh, a pile here. You, you've put the slop in front of me. Super fast, go through uh, the title and, and why you want me to read this. Yes, uh, and this is by no means an exhaustive list. In fact, this is like a, a, a very cursory list. So we will be getting to some other stuff at some point. This, isn't, this is not the end for you, my friend. All right. Let's go through them then. I am on the edge of my seat. Give them to me. So, number one, here's here's some good trashy rom-com for you, friend. You ever heard of uh, Jikokuren? No. Death Life? No. Or Jikokuren Love in Hell? I You've have never not. heard of these ones. Excellent. Now, hey, have you ever thought about what would happen if you went to hell and there were cute anime girls in hell? Uh, before we expound on that, I just, uh, I'm looking through the list here and I do want to preface that I've not heard of any of these. Great, great. Then I did a good job. <laughs> great. All right. Uh, anime girls in hell. Yeah. What would you do? Uh, I, I don't know. Depends on uh, what the other what the author's other works are like. <laughs> no, I'm asking you personally. What would you do if you went to hell and there were cute anime girls there? Oh, oh, that's a trap. I wouldn't trust that at all. You're not gonna answer. You can't answer. Uh, and no answer is an answer so just keep that in mind <laughs> i plead the fifth all right he pleads the fifth well uh whatever you're imagining audience uh is basically what happens in jigokuren a guy goes to hell there are cute anime girls there uh, enough said comedy and self-explanatory yeah. uh, a lot of these are self-explanatory which i guess helps all right and, and also that one's fun a bit of a necessary disclaimer not so much in the first part death life but in the second part love and hell one of the big gags is that uh, it's very very cutesy and then every once in a while someone is being tortured like uh really really horrendously like some that, really that's pretty intense funny gore. i like that bit yeah i like it too it's actually really good <laughs> it is it is sorry uh okay so we have another one here here's another one for you uh, now, what would you do if you happen to be reading a story that was about treating a female knight who has never been treated as a woman as a woman? 
uh, what would I do if I was in that situation or if I was reading a story about that? Uh, f- first that one and then the second one. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, as the title implies, I would probably treat her as a woman. Oh, really? Interesting. Not as a gentleman? Oh, I see. I see the <laughs> the play here. Wow. You should have played the fifth again. You really <laughs> fell for my trap there. Yeah, no, I, I, I told on myself. Yes. The main character chooses uh, essentially the same. He decides to treat the female knight as a woman. And uh, hilarious rom-com type events ensue. Got it. Pretty good, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 There's some really egregious shit in that one. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, all right, moving on. We've got Do Chokyu Kadeshi Cross Kenojo. Um, I don't remember what that's called. I just think of it as honest boyfriend and honest girlfriend. Oh, you have told me about this one before. You've told me about yes, this. Yes, I think so. This yeah. is about a, an overly honest boy and the overly honest girl who falls in love with him. I think that I think that is a, a funny and cute setup. I'll, I'll probably it is funny. I'll definitely give that one a shot. It is funny. It is cute. It is great. Uh, it is uh, incredible in that it is like a, a manual in how to be consenting adults in a consenting adult relationship. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the the instruction manual topic for that manga is just like being a decent person. <laughs> Yeah, being emotionally honest with a partner that you want to like spend your life with, uh, which uh, you know, in a better world, no one would have to have that explained to them. But considering the protagonists in a- a manga rom coms, uh, seems like maybe that part of the education is a little lacking, uh, at least in the manga world. I don't know about the regular world. Not saying anything about regular world, just manga world. Uh, cover my ass. All right. Next one is uh, Virgin Extinction Islands. Enough uh, said. Moving on. I'm on <laughs> enough board. Enough said. Now, Donald Trump makes an appearance in this manga. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very funny. Uh, virgins uh, uh, are dying. A uh, cure must be found. Let's just uh, uh, move on. <laughs> uh, Mato Sehe no Slave. Oh. This one is... Uh, now, what would you do... <laughs> What would you do if uh, a magical girl enslaved you? <laughs> no, 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 no. But in a in a in a romantic, sexy romantic comedy way, not in a not in a like emancipation way. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man, uh, there's some baggage. Yeah. There's some baggage uh, with that one. Oh, you're so tight-lipped during this. I wonder why. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, what? Okay, but she, it's not like a bad situation. It's like uh, you get to join her, like, magical defense squad and, like, hang out with her best friends and shit. I mean, I, I guess I'd be cool with it. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to be the slave of a cute magical girl who lets you hang out in her clubhouse with your other magical girlfriends? Everybody would. You would, you would die for that. Uh, don't lie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is called Shachiku Succubus no Hanashi. I really wish I knew what that meant. Now, what would you do if a sexy anime girl drifted through your window every night and uh, drank up your sexy dreams? I mean, that already happens. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you'd probably like you'd probably like become like uh, kind of like in a cutesy relationship with her, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably. I uh, you know the premise 
makes me wonder if they uh, can, if they somehow work in. Oh God! Oh no! Tapir. I I almost lost the word for tapir. Oh, the dream eater. Yeah, the dream eater. You know, tapirs uh, in in Japanese myth have kind of like an association with eating dreams. Uh, it would be very funny if she had just like a tapir like nose trunk. <laughs> <laughs> they, it's a missed opportunity. No, she's really more of your traditional succubus type. You know, like in the name. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, all right. I, I guess I can live with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now here for our next scenario, what would you do if your crush? who was the strongest delinquent at school, started to pretend like she had amnesia because she thinks that she'll be more appealing if she's a, more of a girly girl. But you actually like her more of as a delinquent. So you're trying to get her memories back. But she still has her memories. She's just pretending. Oh, man, now you're talking my language. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got that delinquent uh, stuff going on. Oh, yeah. Now I have a pile of delinquent-type rom-com stuff. So this is just... This is just the most recent one I read. But uh, I, I bet you would probably do some goofy rom-com shit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, maybe something involving a melon pond. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> you know, maybe you would uh, take her to the arcade and uh, try out one of the, uh, like, strength training uh, punching bag things. You never know. You never know uh, what kind of goofy shit you get up to. Okay. All right, now here's a twist. Let me throw you a curveball here. What if you had already married an alien who was super sexy and you had a kid with her and uh, you had to keep her existence as an alien secret you fucked et and now you're in a consenting adult relationship with et is that not what um mork and mindy was about uh were they fucking i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) i I honestly (laughs) don't know i honestly don't know i've never watched mork and mindy i only know the nanu nanu thing (laughs) Uh, is that what he said when he came? (laughs) (laughs) Was that the gag? (laughs) Tell me, I literally don't know. All right, last, okay, we're at the last on the list. Now, what if you were a normal boy, except for the fact that you had uh, tactile hypersensitivity, uh, which means that you have sort of an uncontrollable impulse to uh, touch things that you find interesting, Uh, and you happened to live in a world filled with like strange uh, hybrid girls like Oni girls or like Fox girls or things and they all had things attached to their heads or tails or things that you felt an uncontrollable urge to rub and your best friend happens to be uh, a demon girl who has a secret crush on you and she's got two cute little horns on her head that you constantly want to feel up Uh, what I would do I feel like I would take a a long a long walk to think about uh, boundaries and personal space. <laughs> Maybe you'd go and read a couple issues of Dochokyu Kashi across Kanojo and learn about uh, consenting adult activity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe you'd do that. I don't know. Or maybe, like in this comic, you get up to some uh, hilarious rom-com misunderstandings. Well, I mean, that uh, that seems to be par for the course for all of these. Well, hey, uh, you know, if that's what you think, that's what you think. I have my own answers, but I kept them secret, just in <laughs> case uh, the listener was uh, curious. Uh, I'm not revealing my answers to any of these questions. If you want to know the answers to these questions, uh, you can read all of these series yourself, and I actually highly recommend it. Uh, broaden your horizons for just trash and filth. That's you what know, I said. Uh, I will read all of these suggestions, and I will come back to you with the answers to these questions. Okay, okay, all right. I'm dying of curiosity. Maybe I'll tell you my answers. I don't know. We'll see. 
I'm not saying that I should be held personally responsible for the contents of any of these rom-coms. Let's pretend like you found this list crumpled up in the bottom of a drawer somewhere of like some furniture that you bought off Craigslist. How about that? Let's pretend like that happened, okay? I, I'm not connected to these recommendations in any way. You just happen to have found a list. Yeah, neither of us are professional reviewers, uh, nor are we lawyers, so... We're also not amateur reviewers. No. I don't even know what anime is. <laughs> I've never uh, seen an anime in my life. Yeah, I'm actually face blind, um, but like for pictures. <laughs> uh, what's, a, what's a more extreme version of unqualified? Yeah, whatever you are, I guess. Um. <laughs> okay, all right, enough rambling. Wow. Yeah, okay, we went long. Um, I think we gave you a lot to think about this episode. So good on us for being smart and interesting and intelligent about uh, cartoons for children. We really nailed that. Yeah, I think we did a really good job. Uh, yeah, we can't stress enough that the stuff that we talk about is cartoons for, for little baby people. Yes, um, with our little baby minds, <laughs> we, we brought the entire strength uh, of our tiny little baby minds to bear on these little tiny baby cartoons. Uh, and I think that's a really worthwhile thing to do. And I think it's a worthwhile thing for you to do, my, my dear best friend and listener. Um, and I think it's also a worthwhile thing to do um, to come back and listen to the next episode where we will continue uh, bearing our powerful tiny minds on these children's cartoons. I can't even, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, okay, we gotta stop. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, my dear listener, till next time. Bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha